0: Sung some of those hymns that we sang a few minutes ago. And then some of you earlier had knew those newer songs and some of you didn't know those newer songs. And I would encourage you as a follower of Jesus Christ to get to know songs that lift up and praise the name of Jesus. Be it an old song, be it a new song. And they're both, they're, they both can be used of the Lord in a great way. And the problem is where we sometimes get hiccups in there is Because we don't know something, we don't like it. But when a song lifts up and praises and magnifies the name of Jesus Christ, it's a song worth learning. And so, anyone need a copy of the outline tonight? If you need a copy of the outline, will you slip your hand up? And uh, Ben, you got your hand up? Felix, you want to help your wife out and get her one right over there? And you can get one for yourself there too. And so, Felix, glad you're here tonight. That's good. You throw me off. Sometimes you come in the morning, sometimes you come at night. I'm praying for the day you come to both. So And you didn't even grab the right paper. Okay, that's why we didn't send him. The, did you grab the right one? No. All right, Ben, you got a few more copies of that. It's the one is the one that says Romans on it. You got it there? All right, you got it. All right, we're good. All right. We have been looking at the book of Romans and looking at several things. And we've dived in. Remember a few weeks ago we read the passage where Paul said, I'm now ready to preach the gospel. He goes in the fact he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And what he does from there, he goes into the condition of all of us. And he carries out, he looks at the end of chapter number one. When you decide that you don't want God, you look at what happens and you look at a society that says they don't want God. Look at Romans chapter number one. They tie perfectly together. In chapter number two, we see that God says, hey, but not only do I judge the sinner, but I judge you hypocrites as well. That think that you're, well, I don't openly sin like so-and-so, but still in the heart, you still have problems there. Last week, we closed out chapter number two by seeing how it doesn't matter how, much, how um, religious you are. Religion does not save you. There were Jews that were saying, oh, I'm of the seed of Abraham. I'm of the circumcision. I'm of these things. And the Lord wanted to make it clear that those things, that does not get you into heaven. Those do not get you there. That's why Paul's saying, I'm going to give you the gospel. And what he does is he breaks a lot of things down and lets us know that a lot of people who think they're going to heaven based on certain things that they do, that's not what gets you to heaven. You see, a lot of externals are what we focus on, but that's not what gets us there. You can be a religious person and do a lot of religious works in your life. But if there's not been a day and there's not been a transformation in the heart, God looks on the heart. And what God's letting us know through Paul in this passage of Scripture is that all of us are guilty before God, and no matter what we do, there's nothing we and ourselves can do to change that. We must accept His gift of salvation and let Him change us. And there must be an internal thing that takes place, and that's what we see. So because of that... You think about these verses continue on here in chapter number 3. Just a logical conversation. Some objections, some thoughts. Well, if I am not going to heaven because I'm a religious person, because I'm a Jew, or because I'm of the circumcision, or I do all these things, I follow the law, then here's the logical question. Why does it matter that I'm a Jew? Why does it matter that I follow the law. If those things don't get me saved and those don't get me to heaven, what's the point behind them? And so Paul explains their questions and then gives us an answer to those questions from verse 1 through verse number 8. Let's read them together and then we will dive in and see some things here tonight in Romans chapter number 3. What advantage then hath the Jew Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, and every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man, God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we be slanderously reported, As some some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just. Another question that Paul answers here is, well, God used my sin to bring glory to his name. That's an awful thing to say. God forbid that anyone would think that way. God could have done a lot more great things if you wouldn't have done that sin. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But we see just some questions that were thrown out, and then we see the answers are given, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. Father, I pray you bless the next few minutes tonight. We need you. We love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths that are found here. And I pray that you'd help us tonight, help us as we look at these things, and help us to get this from your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I I mentioned every week of this series, this is by far the hardest series of sermons I have to preach the book of romans has so much deep wonderful stuff in it and even you just skim through those verses that we just read through and you're thinking what in the world is going on right here and so like the book of mark this morning you didn't even really need me because the bible gave you all four of the points i gave you i just broke it down a little bit for you but everything was laid out it was easy to get and if you couldn't get this morning you're not going to get tonight, okay? We'll just park on that one there for a second. But the book of Romans, got to try and bring it down to where we can understand. That's why, it's one of the, that's why it's a hard book for me. This passage is another one as we look at it tonight. But Paul, you think about this, Paul is asking and answering questions that the Jews themselves were asking. If salvation is by grace through faith, then these questions need to be answered. And as we think about these questions and these answers that Paul gives, I would say there are many today that could benefit from the answers that Paul gives in this passage of Scripture concerning certain things. Number one tonight, we see the question basically, why bother with religion? Why bother with religion? Look at verse 1 and 2 again. Why bother with religion? What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? We look at letter A underneath what, why bother with religion. The question is, is it vain to be a Jew? Is there any meaning behind it? We see right here it says, what advantage hath the Jew? Or what profit? If, if that doesn't get you a... And what the Jews think? that be, If they kept the law, they were of the tribe, they were of Abraham, that they had a better relationship with God than others did. So if that's not true and you can't get to heaven just because you're a Jew, then why be a Jew? What's the point? Is it vain to be a Jew? We see that's the question that's asked before us here. We saw in chapter number 2 that the circumcision didn't make them saved. We saw that knowing the law in chapter number 2 didn't make them saved. We saw them teaching about the law. That didn't make them saved. It doesn't, so what's the point of being a Jew? What's the point of being religious? That's the question that's being asked. The Jews want to know, why do we do the things that we do? Why do we try to follow the law? Why are we of the circumcision? Why do we do these things if it means nothing? That's an honest question. Why do we do it? They felt that they did it and they had a special bond, a special relationship with the Lord. But you see, you want a special bond with the Lord, you want a special relationship with the Lord, it comes through the Son, Jesus Christ. You can't have a relationship with God apart from his son. And so the question is, is it vain to be a Jew? They were God's chosen people. And even today, there are many people who don't get it. There's a group of even the so-called Baptists that are anti-Semitic. They don't like the Jews. They want nothing. They say, the Jews are not God's. Yes, they are. They are God's chosen people. But that doesn't mean that they are saved they got to trust Christ just like anybody else. But you got to understand something. There's a a doctrine that's gone around, and if you don't know the doctrine and all that, just stay clear of it, and that's a good thing. But this idea of um, replacement theology, where the church replaces the Jews, that's baloney. The church does not replace the Jews. The Jews rejected their Messiah, so the timeline in the book of Daniel stops at 69 weeks. The tribulation that's still coming, the seven years, that's all about the Jews. That's why the church isn't here. But those who believe in that replacement theology say that the church goes through the tribulation. No, the Jews go through the tribulation as part of their judgment for forsaking the Messiah. And so if you don't get all that, that's fine. But a lot, and it's a good thing to know the word of God. And I'll say this, you should have a pastor that knows the word of God better than you do. I think that's a good thing. If you, and I'm sure there's some of you in here, I'm not going to call out names, but there's some of you that probably know it better than I do. But you should know the Word of God very well. But the question is, is it vain to be a Jew? No. But they're sinners just like the rest of us. You know, you consider the facts tonight. Do good works save a person? No. Then why do good works? If church attendance doesn't get me to heaven then why go to church? Have you ever heard someone say that before? I've heard that one before. Well, if it doesn't get me into heaven, why go? The Jews question, is it vain to be a Jew? Paul's response letter B, he said there's value in being a Jew. Say, well, what's the value? Look at verse number two. Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. There is value in being a Jew. And Paul responds by reminding the Jews that they are blessed in every way from God. But perhaps the greatest evidence in all the world that there's value to being a Jew is that God used the Jews to give us his word. The oracles of God. That's what it says right here. There is only two books of the Bible that were not written by Jews. Anybody know those two books? Anybody, two books, and the guy wrote both of them, so it's one person. Out of all the books of the Bible, there are two: the book, Acts and, Luke. Acts and Luke. You got it back there, Ben. Nice work. I think he was Googling it right there on his phone, and so Google will tell you lots of things. You just hope it's true when that comes. But Acts and Luke was not a Jew. But literally tonight as we think about this and we look at this, when God gave us his word, he gave it to us through a Jewish pen. And and as we think about that, there's great value in being a Jew. They were entrusted with the scriptures. And one of the things, the Jews, they, they had their issues. But we all have our issues, okay? Let's be honest tonight. We all have our issues. But one of the things they did a very good job from Old Testament time going forward for a long time was how they copied the Word of God and kept a great eye on it and did a great job of copying it and copying it, and they took care of the sacred scriptures. Now, they got way off on things, and we could go deep into that tonight, but we're not going to do that tonight. But when we think about this, you know, what, what's, what's the point in being a Jew? Well, the, there's value because of the Word of God you think about with me tonight imagine there was a remote island that was covered in darkness and there's only one way off the island the whole world's on this island there's only one little tiny path a little bridge that crosses a great chasm into heaven and the only way you can get there is over this bridge and all you have Is a little tiny little light that goes nowhere that basically lets you see right where you're at. But there's one group of people that God brings together, and that group of people, God gives them the biggest flashlight, a spotlight. We'll use a spotlight. He gives them a spotlight to light the way. That's what God did with the Jews. See, every man and woman that enters into this world is given a little light, but not enough light to find their way to salvation. You need the scriptures. You need the word of God. And that spotlight, God used the Jews to get us his word. There was value in being a Jew. But I want you to understand something. Even though we think about that tonight, what What would you do with that light? You should take that light and show people this is where you need to go. But what the Jews did with that light was they found a haystack and they wanted to get the little needle out of the haystack. That's what they did with the law. Did you spit on the ground? If you spit on a rock, it's okay. But if you spit in the dirt you just created mud and that's not allowed. They weren't using the light to point people to the way. They were focusing on little things that they shouldn't have been focusing on. And that's what they did. You see, instead of using the word of God to lead men out of darkness, they used it as a means to send men to deeper spiritual darkness. You know, the same is true in our day as well Today, Men need not think that their good deeds, their religious living, their activities will gain them favor with God, because it's not true. But a lot of people preach that. Even though you've got the word of God right here, and there is nothing you and I can do to get any closer to God by anything that we do. So also, I can just live my life and do as I please. I didn't say that. Because if you love God, you're not going to. But we get this idea, and I hear a lot of it even in Baptist churches, where if I, if I dress this certain way, if I do this or I do that, I have a closer relationship with God than so-and-so does. And yet your heart is of that of stone. And you're a hypocrite. And you are not anywhere near close to God. Your outward things can't get you any closer to God. The day that you get saved, you're accepted in Him. And there's nothing you can do to get any closer to Him. Otherwise, it'd be a works-based thing. So we all get to heaven, and I'd be like, you know why I'm Jesus' best friend? Because of the things I did in my life. And that's not how it's designed. When we get to heaven, all of us are going to be like, you know why I'm here? Because of what he did for me. That's why. Hey, is it vain to be a Jew? No, it's not vain to be a Jew. There's value in being a Jew. They were given the word of God. And when you think about that, They were given the word of God, but to whom much is given, much is required. Doesn't the Bible talk about that? And so we see, number one tonight, why bother with religion? Number two, why bother with responsibility? Why bother with responsibility? Look at verse number three. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true, but let every man... A liar, as it is written, thou, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. We see in verse number 3, the, the question is, and this why bother with responsibility, letter A, has God forsaken us because of sin? It's the question being asked here. The Jews are basically saying that they failed to live up to their end of the bargain with God. Remember all the covenants and all the things that God made with Israel? Well, Israel failed in all those. But God is a covenant-keeping God. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, you know, you think about it here. Has their failures, has the failures of Israel as a nation ruined it for all of them? Does God forsake His people? Does He want nothing to do with them because they've sinned? And that's the question that's being asked. And I love the answer, letter B. God is faithful in spite of our sin. And we see in verse number four here, Paul says, God forbid. Yea, let God be true. God does not turn his back. God does not go back on his covenants or his promises that he makes. God's faithful to us today in spite of our sin. And you know, as Paul says this adamantly, God forbid. Literally, the phrase reads, may it never be. And he says, "Like God be true and every man a liar. And Paul means here that in spite of whatever man does, God will always honor his promises. Regardless of how wicked Israel might become, the Lord will never give up on Israel. Why do you think the last seven years, why there's going to be another chance for Israel? Because God hasn't given up on them. And there's going to be many of them that turn to him. There's going to be 144,000 of them that go preach the gospel around the world. Think about that. Jews will be doing that. Because he's not done. He's not given up. And he's going to fulfill his promise that he made to the Jews. And though they've messed up, in spite of them failing him, God is faithful and he'll never give up. Even all the sins and failures of Israel, God wouldn't give up on them. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? What a blessing that is for me in spite of my sin and all the times that I fail God. He hasn't given up. You know, we are so quick to give up on people. They should have done better. They probably should have. Aren't you glad that God doesn't do that to us? Aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on you? Hey, in spite of all that you've done, where you've been, God still loves you and cares about you. God is faithful in spite of our sins. And I can only say hallelujah, praise the Lord for that tonight. Remember David? He was an adulterer. A liar, and ultimately a murderer. But God forgave him and used David in a wonderful way. Remember Rahab? The harlot. Rahab the harlot. Remember her? God forgave her, and her name is in the lineage of Christ. Remember Peter? Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Lord, I'll never deny you, I'll follow you wherever you go. When Jesus rose from the dead, hey, tell the disciples and tell Peter I'm alive. Remember the end of John, John chapter 21, Jesus having a meal with the disciples. He goes, "Hey, hey, Peter, Peter, do you love me? I'm so glad that God's faithful in spite of who we are and in spite of our sin. You see, regardless of the road that you've taken in life and regardless of the sins you've committed, there's forgiveness and restoration in the Lord. And thank God for that. Questions, why bother with religion? Why bother with responsibility? And number three, why bother with righteousness? Why bother? Look at verse number five. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath no more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we being slanderous reported, As some affirm that we say, let us do evil, that good may come, whose damnation is just. Hey, why bother with righteousness? Paul deals with some issues here raised by the Jews related to sin. He was just, you think about this, he has just revealed to them that God's glorified through the forgiveness of sin. Which he is glorified through the forgiveness of sin. Therefore, some of them came to this conclusion that they should sin more so that God could be glorified in forgiving them of the sin that they commit. Doesn't that sound like us? Just a stupid reasoning with God. You might say stupid's a mean word. It is, but it fits. To even have this brought up by anyone is beyond me. When we think about this letter A, does God condone? It could go like this. Since God was glorified through the sin of David, and that David's sin gave the Lord a chance to demonstrate both his justice and his grace, it stands to reason that David was helping the Lord out when he sinned. After all, God would have never gotten a chance to show his justice or his grace if David hadn't sinned. Therefore, when I sin, I'm really helping God out. Then it is unfair for God to judge men when I sin if I am giving him a chance to prove his justice and his grace. Talk about this morning how they were astonished at his doctrine. I am astonished at the stupidity of people to even think something like this. That goes beyond any comprehension that I could even have. But you think about this does God condone my sin? kind of a slick little argument by these people but at the end of the day it's really a sick argument because it accuses god of using sin for his own advantage the whole idea is one of promoting sin so that god would be glorified when he forgives that whole idea goes contrary to everything that the bible says about my god you see they profess jesus Then they run out and sin. When judgment comes, they run back to God. Oh, wait, that's how a lot of Christians live their life today, don't they? I went out deep into sin, but the Lord brought me back, and he gets all the glory. And if it weren't for what I went through, God couldn't have done all that he did. You're a moron. To use that excuse with God. God God will get glory because God will always receive glory. But God could have received more glory if you would have done what was right from the beginning. You think that the sin, does God condone my sin? No. Does God want you to sin? No, he doesn't want you to sin. His son had to die for sin. I want you to understand something. God is more pleased and more glorified by a Christian who stays steady, living for the Lord, Doing what's right. You know, I'm thankful tonight for those who get away from God and who God brings back. I'm very thankful. There are those, I believe the story of the prodigal son is speaking about, he's a son. I believe it's talking about a backslidden Christian. Because it's a son it's talking about. If you're not saved, you're not a son of God's. And so, some people say different and you can say whatever you want to. You're not preaching, I am tonight. But, I'm thankful for all those prodigals that get away from God and come back. But don't try to make the excuse that God needed to let you do that to bring himself more glory, or you had to go through that to learn all that you needed to learn to be better for God. That's false, because you didn't have to. God's way, the name of the Lord gets blasphemed when Christians don't live up to what they should be. We, as the people of God, need to be living up to what God's called us to be. And you've got to understand something. Don't misunderstand me. God will forgive you if you fall, and He can even use that for His honor and glory. But God would rather you not do that. That's the God that we serve. You say, well, why? Because, letter B, God condemns all sin. Verse number six says, God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? What Paul is saying is, God forbid, may it never be. Think about this. If God winks at your sin, then he has no right to judge the world of their sin. You know, you've got Caroline and Ryan, they've got a classroom of students. And let's say student A didn't do their homework. And student A, you're like, you know what? It's okay. You get a pass today. It's going to be all right. Student B didn't do their homework. You're like, hold it! You get detention. You didn't do your homework. That's not judging fairly. Because you're judging the one and not judging the other. What Paul is saying here is if God will wink at your sin, but later on he's going to judge the entire world? It doesn't work that way. God couldn't be the judge that he is. How can you judge the whole world if you give a pass to some people's sins? No, all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin, all sin, is death. God condemns all sin. God understands something that be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Next, letter C. Does my sin exalt God? We see that in verse 7 verse number 8. It says, for if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we be slanderously reported as some affirm that we say. And again, they're trying to justify their sin on the basis that God's glorified and forgiving sin. You see it right there. If the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie, if I lie and God's word gets spread faster through that lie, God's using it for his glory. It's never right to do wrong in order to get a chance to do what's right. Never, never, never. That's why the Bible says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. But does my sin exalt? Sin does not exalt God. Sin does not glorify the Lord. He cannot condone it. He's holy and he must judge it. When we think about that, I'm going to skip a little bit because we're running out of time. But we see letter D that God will exempt no sinner. All sin will be accounted for. You got to understand something tonight. You have one of two choices. You see the end of verse number eight there. It says, let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just. You have one of two choices. There is no exemption. There is no other choice. Number one, you can pay your own sin debt and spend an eternity in the eternal lake of fire. Because that is the second death. Or number two, you can trust Jesus Christ who took your death and suffered for you. Those are your two choices. When a man or a woman is revealed to be a sinner, it's amazing what they can come up with to try and justify their sins. Several years ago, I don't even think the House of Representatives would do this today, but several years ago, I mean a long time ago, the House of Representatives voted 426 to 0 to reveal the names of all past and present members who had bounced checks at the House bank. An act that one commentator likened to committing mass political suicide. But they did it. They tell us that when the list was finally released, it contained... 355 names of those 400 and some odd representatives. Of those elected officials, a lot of them never knew how to balance a checkbook. Let me teach you a quick lesson. I know you don't use checks much anymore, but just because you have a check doesn't mean you can write a check. Okay? There has to be money in the account to do that. You think that's funny, but I've known people who just think because they have a check, they can write a check. It doesn't work that way. You must have money. And in fact, if you write a check and you don't have the money to pay for it, you're a thief. We'll leave that there. But anyways, think about this. Some of those elected officials, think about this. One wrote 972 bad checks. Another one of them wrote 716 rubber checks that bounced all over the place. There was another man by the name of Charles Wilson from Texas. And he spoke out after they revealed that he had several bounced checks. And this is what he said. He had five different excuses for his bounced checks. The first one is this. It's not a crime like child abuse. So in other words, it's not that bad. The second one was my people knew I was sloppy when they elected me. Basically, they knew I was stupid when they elected me, or they were stupid enough to elect me. I don't know. The third one is, if you've ever bounced a check, vote for me. If not, vote for my opponent. In other words, everybody does it. Right? His fourth excuse was, the system's all fouled up. Which basically says, it's not my fault. (laughs) Happens one time... Okay, it was a mistake. You wrote down a six instead of a nine one time. Okay, but multiple times, the fifth excuse is this. It's no big deal, which is really translated, it's not a big deal. But this is what happens. We say that representative needs help. All of them do. Let's be honest tonight. But I'll say this. Say what lousy excuses. And yet the people of God make even more lousy excuses to the God of heaven about their sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess means you agree with God that it is was wrong. Lord, forgive me, but if my wife didn't talk to me the way that she did, I never would have yelled at her. Excuse. But this is what we do. That's how we ask God to forgive us. That's not confessing our sins. Lord, if if so-and-so wouldn't have handed me that beer bottle, I wouldn't have gotten drunk. But I'm sorry I got drunk. No confession is, Lord, I know it's wrong to get drunk. I failed you and I've sinned against you. That's confession. See the difference between the two? Don't try and take your sin and you're exempt from things, or God could use it for great... God will use things, and praise God, he does. God's used lots of things. But let's confess our sins to him. Let's get right with him. Let's live for him. Our sin is wicked. Is there... What's the benefit of being a Jew? Well, they had the scriptures. God used them to give the scriptures. What's the benefit to all these responsibilities? Oh, there's... Does God condone my sin? No, he doesn't. He just loved you enough to send his son to die for you to take your place. And then we'll see next week, Paul closes out. So after these questions he's answered, next week you'll see as we finish up chapter number three, you'll see the fact that Paul lays it all out, there is none righteous, no, not one. So basically all that we've covered for all this time, Paul was just basically telling them, no one is good enough. The sinner that rejects God in chapter number one, not good enough. The hypocrite who acts like they're good but their heart is not right with God is not good enough. The religious person is not good enough. And I don't care what excuse you try to make, you're not good enough. But I'm going to show you someone who is. That's the gospel. That's what Paul's doing in the book of Romans here. Father, we thank you for the time we've had tonight. Thank you for your words. Such a powerful book. So wonderful. Thank you for it. Bless your people. Help us live for you. I pray that if there's some unconfessed sin in our life that we need to deal with, that we would deal with it and get it right with you. Bless your people. Bless this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed. And uh, if you didn't get